So we beat up on the cops pretty good last time. I kind don't of, feel kind of. I don't feel bad. I I remember but. we were neutral on one of them. <laughs> we were neutral on one yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be equal opportunity on this one. All right, all right. We're gonna start with some some firefighters. Obviously, where are they from? Florida. Oof. I was gonna say that. Veteran Florida medics fired for erroneously pronouncing patient dead. That's happened a lot of places. Well, they usually don't walk out of the hospital two days later. That is true. So, uh, two Clearwater fire medics who wrongly declared a man dead in February have been terminated. Uh, Fire medics Jacob Rivero and Sebastian Pickens, one's 27, the other one's 26, uh, were placed on administrative duty while officials reviewed the incidents. Rivero and Pickens responded to a call around 10 a.m. February 15th after a 66-year-old man, Thomas Maxwell, suffered a cardiac arrest in a private residence. After the initial check, the fire medics did not find a pulse and said Maxwell was not breathing and was cold to the touch and completely unresponsive. That was a quote. About a minute later, Pickens saw Maxwell take a breath and told Rivero, but neither of the medics took any action. Uh, that's a problem. That is a problem. Uh, violating policy according to the fire rescue documents. They reported that Maxwell was showing signs of rigor mortis in his jaw, but body cam footage from the deputy who responded to the scene showed Maxwell's jaw moving. So another problem. Clearly this was an issue. Pickens and Rivero left the scene after the deputies arrived. One of the deputies noticed that Maxwell was still breathing and called medical first responders. So it seems like, cause another fire department showed up. So, I don't know how their run system works. Maybe they yeah. have private or something like yeah. that. But um, it turns out that they didn't even put the monitor on them. That's another problem. So <laughs> they're basically just like, hey, this dude had an agonal respirations and they've had their certifications revoked. And um, if you ever had, I've had some cores where I'm like, I really hope this person's dead. Like, it's disgusting. They're, you know, you're in this, like, horrific hoarder condition. And you're like, all right, I, if, if they're in there, I hope we don't have to work them in there. Yeah, it's yeah, a, it gets really messy. Yeah, and then there were some, we've had some calls where, like, they're clearly, and before our protocols changed, like, we had to get uh, 12 leads on people to, like, for our reports or whatever. Um, I'm sure there's a statute of limitations out there, but we went to one person who was like decaying, like clearly had been dead for a very, very long time and nobody wanted to put the leads on him. So they, so my field instructor at the time put him on a dresser, <laughs> all the leads on a dresser. Well, I, I've just not done it sometimes because I mean, I remember going in on one and their face was eaten off, you know, I think we're good. And it stinks, and nobody's heard from her three weeks, and it like it's nasty. What ate it off? Her cat. Oh, yeah. Cat's not getting fed. Cat's gonna eat. Yeah, gotta stay alive, and it was alive. Oh, that's disgusting. It is really disgusting. I'll never unburn that from my memory. Yeah, we had one uh, kind of similar to this, where and I think I might have told this story before. Uh, but if you're squeamish, you might want to fast forward a little bit. So we walk into a hoarder house, and there is a two people laying in the bed. One is clearly just like melting into the bed. 
it's it's like where that one's done and then the husband was laying next to her and he was looked like the same like he had bugs all over him and then he took a breath <gasps> yep oh, and i was man. like oh no so i think she had passed and he just laid next to her like i'm just going to lay here yeah. until i go um but that one was spicy dude it was really nasty Okay. So shame on you, gentlemen. I know what I know what department will hire them. <laughs> <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, this this is bringing you back to Sweet Home Chicago. People see Chicago fire engines racing through the streets responding to emergencies, blazes, motor vehicle crashes, industrial mishaps, and medical issues. But another call is dominating the fire's day, firefighter's day. What would you say it is? What calls are dominating firefighter's day? So when you think what of when you think of what big, service calls. Yeah, when you think of like big cities, right? When you were testing for departments, you're like, man, I bet you these guys just like get after it every day, burn every day. It's like backdraft. What's the call? Lift assist. Lift assist. <laughs> They're getting calls to help citizens in and out of their homes as well into their vehicles. Last year, crews responded to 41,539 calls to help. That's up 69% since 2019. What? When the pandemic started. 61%. 69%. 69%. We got to say no. Uh, So there's more. Uh, Records also show that there were a thousand structure fires last year for the city of Chicago, which I thought was low for a city that size. 330 a month? No. Wait a minute. A thousand? A thousand calls. So a hundred and some a month? Yeah. So, and uh, granted. So that's three a day? Yeah, in the entire city, which I yeah, thought was low. Big city. Yeah. Uh, investigation or investigative reporters found that 14 locations called for lift assists more than 200 times last year. Of those, six called more than 300 times. That is a problem. That is insane. They're calling Care literally facility? every day. Care facility? They it's, didn't say, but we, I'm assuming. The, the, the system can't support that. It's not made for that. First, first it was nice to know that this is happening everywhere. But it's disappointing though, too. But it's like, what happened in 2019 that created a system where everybody relied on government entities to solve their problems? Do you have that answer? Are you asking me? Well, it happened in 2019. An event? Yeah. So you know the answer? COVID. Uh, well, that was 2020, bro. COVID 19. It well, started late 2019. It's, okay. It's, it's, the lockdown started in 2020. But it's like since <laughs> COVID 19. <laughs> true. But okay. since that time, it's like all these systems that were put in place have clearly had an impact on the way people see public safety to like come in and solve all these problems. Uh, we're, 
some departments are already starting to say no. I you think got to start charging. Yeah, I mean that's what it is. Like, uh, it is a service. My my theory is create, you know, smaller, you know, two person whatever. They just run service calls in the city, and you stack the calls. So, if you do want a lift assist, and there's five other lift assists ahead of you, it might be three hours, but it is not an emergency because it is not injury. How many times do we have a delayed response to a lift assist? And after about 20, 30 minutes, they figured they it out. They figured it out. Right. Right. How many times, you know, water pumps, do they figure it out? Well, who do they figure it out with? They, they call a plumber. Yeah. They go get a neighbor, you know? But how many times have we been like, hey, the plumber can't show up for 12 hours, so you guys are going? It's like, how? If it's not an emergency. Call another plumber. Yeah. Like, if it's not an emergency. Like, there's one plumber? <laughs> yeah. One locksmith? Oh, he's three hours. Remember that one story? Which one? Um, they got locked out of their apartment and they wanted PD to force. And they're like, we called locksmith, but he's two hours out. <laughs> and then three hours later, they call him again. It's like, well, you could have the locksmiths here if you would have just bought in early on, but you wanted a service for free. When did the fire service make that switch from like, hey, we'll come to anything? Wasn't I it think, an FDIC? Well, speech? no, I think, I think Brunacini was That's... a big push of you know, Mrs. Smith and service and, you know, these are the customers, you know, treating right. as customers. And there's some validity to that, but that's when the system, I mean, it starts from a time when we weren't providing so much medical right. care. Right. Right. So it's like, okay, well, we're running six calls a day and five of them are like fire-based or whatever. And it's like, sure, yeah, we sure, can we're, go we're the out. extra mile. Yeah, we can we can come out a couple times a day and help people up. Yeah. Right. Well, now it's like, I heard a story the other day, you know, lift assist took a crew out of their first due area and they missed their fire. You know, mm. that's not what yeah. the system is supposed to do. Right. You know, seeing all calls as emergencies. I mean, the police don't do that. They don't see all calls as emergencies. They're like, Hey, we'll get well, to no, those. We need we to them. see all our, the only calls we should be going on are emergencies. Yeah, but to get there, don't we need to like maybe tear that down a little bit? Well, that's what the, that's what you have these like two person response cars or right. whatever. You know, like they can run service calls and you stack them. You don't. Your priority is not these calls, but put a resource in place. Fine, do that. Maybe not even certified firefighters. You know, like maybe that's yeah, hundred percent. You know, you know. But what qualifies us to shut off your water? I mean, uh, some of us have some construction knowledge, but what qualifies us to shut off your water? Yeah. You have, you know, you, you, and then how about the people that say we, we can't lift them up because it's liability? Well, what qualifies us? We lift assists. Yeah. Lift people up. We're just grabbing them by the shoulders and picking them up. You know, what's funny though, is that someone's going to call and I'm sure it's happened. They call 911 for a water problem, right? You have an 18 year old, a 21 year old. And maybe like two other people who might have a little bit more time on. They've just been to college. They have no experience in the trades. And they're just as clueless as everybody else. I just, yeah, I just figured it out. Oh, okay. You create, you want to eliminate the calls? You create these response cars. And you put people on that have no fucking clue. (laughs) So they get there to turn the water off. And they're like, 
You have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. I'm never calling again. I'm not calling these guys. These guys are idiots. Oh, they they tried to change my smoke detector. Now there's a big fucking hole in my ceiling. That's like when you... I'm never calling these guys again. When you tell your wife you'll do the chores, but you fuck them all up. (laughs) So (laughs) she never never asks you to do it again. (laughs) I guess I don't have to clean the bathrooms anymore. Oh, man. That's how you do it. All right. Well, I mean, but think about that. did it. There are... We are entering a different generation where not as many people on the fire trucks know about construction or know like they're not they weren't in the trade right there's so there's the trade knowledge isn't there so I mean maybe it'll fizzle itself out I don't know that they they we keep going to these calls but then we can't answer it and the department's but like I, I thought it was a I mean, good idea to only hire college graduates yeah <laughs> but before you dispatch these calls I mean. We need to start saying no. We don't. We're not coming. Like right. Like that's not what we do. Um, this is this is not an emergency. Right. Um, you can call a non-emergency line, and there's one person fielding calls, and it's probably like an hour wait for that. Yeah. And then you go into a queue, and it's probably another five hours wait because everybody wants something for free. Mm. You're gonna have to start paying for stuff. I mean, they do pay taxes, isn't that? They pay taxes for emergency response. Mm, there it is. They pay taxes for pay taxes for fire protection. Right. You know, not for twenty four seven problem solvers. I mean, is is the like if a water main is broke in a street? Okay, that is an emergency, right? That is affecting multiple people and can do a lot of damage and create a lot of problems. Okay, if your water heater is leaking, that's not an emergency. All right, so what about when people are like, well, an emergency is a, a time when you can no longer handle with the resources you have that's, on No, no, no. It's, we talked about that yesterday. Just because you think it's an emergency doesn't mean the rest of the world has to think it's an emergency. Okay. There has to be, I mean, I think you could talk about what really constitutes an emergency with the majority of Americans. And we could all agree on, like, this is an emergency. That's You think that the Americans can all agree on something? I think uh, the majority. I'm saying you would go with the majority, right? So It seems like a subjective because, answer. Because you, you know, like, because your smoke detector is your smoke detector's beeping. Is that an emergency? Oh, I've been on many of those. I know. Is it an emergency? No. I think that the majority of Americans would side with you. I, I know they would. Yeah. I mean, there's living in a time, I get it, where you can't really bet on that. But, yeah, you know, something that's beeping, you're standing there, it's a smoke detector, and there's no smoke. <laughs> you know that this is an emergency. What it is, it's fucking annoying to you. You can't sleep, so let's go wake up four guys that can come out and fix and pull it down. But that's not an emergency. Like, that's life. Yeah. Like, I've had the smoke detector beep in the middle of the night. Uh, when I was on vacation and I had to get up on like, I had to get up on a table, on a chair. Oh, this was like in a hotel. Onto it. It was in my condo. Oh. And like way up there. Right. I had no ladder, but I I wanted that shit to stop, but I wasn't going to call 911. Well, I think, you know, you could make the argument that the smart don't, man don't do this. Well, no, that the smart man would fix the problem the easiest way possible, which is just call someone. I'm going to go back to bed. Let me know when it's finished. 
He's like a CEO but of his, you can't his own call life. fire department for that. I, I mean, I know. I'm yeah. No, I know. Like, I think I think some people they can call someone, but I mean, we just. Uh, I think we've lost the pride in doing things ourselves. That and I, we just. Well, yeah. There's some pride in yeah. figuring stuff out. Yeah, like, it always feels like solving good. problems. Yeah, you know. That's part of like home ownership. It's part of living a life, right? Solving problems, you know, deviating, audible, this, that, you know, figure it out. Go on with your day. But I feel like it really struck a chord with you. I just, we, the system is breaking. It's broke, actually. It is broke all over the place. And, you know, like when you're sending a four person fire truck in the majority, the majority, almost 90% of the calls they go to, they don't need lights and sirens. Now we're just community medicine. That is yeah. not what the fire service is. Emergency medicine. It says 911 on the side of the rig. You know? Yeah, but if they keep calling, we keep showing up, man. Someone's got to Well, then stand here's up. what you got to do. I mean, you can either cut back the calls or you can add a shit ton more people. Right. And more rigs and... You know, get your one mile per gallon fire truck to be going on medical calls that only need like two people. Right. I don't know. I mean, you're going to, that, that's a lot of taxpayer money. You know, we doubled the call volume since I've been in the fire service. Oh, easy. You know, and for what? Not, yeah, not, yeah. not for any emergencies. Right. The emergencies aren't increasing. It's not making us better firefighters. You know, like it's not, I think it's making us worse. I think. I think you find a lot of firefighters that are have watched this transition. Say, say it's 2019, if that's a date you want to give. I was going to say like mid-2010s, you know, 15, 16. There's a lot of firefighters that just don't feel challenged. You're going on this stuff that takes no – like, like uh, we had a call a few weeks ago. It was a gas leak, side of a house, car hit it. Uh, we don't go on these that often, but we go on a ton of BS calls. Yeah. And then we go on this gas leak, and me and my driver, like, we're all in, right? We could do something. Yeah. Solve a problem, right? Finally. I mean, we even – I've been on gas leaks where people just stand around. Yeah. Like, I'm in my gear every time. I want to clamp it. I want to, like – I want to stop something. the leak. Yeah. With, you know, get a hose line in place. Yeah. Do all that. Like, use the right tools. Monitor the air. All that shit. Uh. But we were able to, like, stop it, and then, like, it, you know, it ended up leaking again, and we stopped it again. But it was kind of funny because what we stopped it with was, like, a number two pencil. Really? Yeah, it was just this little, like, valve that had broken off, and the threaded portion was inside, and it was very – it was the size of a number two pencil. So we just took a number two pencil and pounded it in and uh, stopped the leak until the gas company got there. But I remember the – the uh, pencil shot off like the first time, or one one of whatever we used the first time. It like it held for about ten seconds, yeah, and then it shot off straight into the air. And we looked at each other and just started we're laughing. laughing. And we get done with the call, and we're like, "That is the most fun I've had on a call in a long time." And it's because like you go on these calls that just are not challenging. Like, did not sign up to do these community medicine calls like no firefighter did i'm maybe now yeah but i mean i'm probably gonna ruffle a lot of feathers with this but they'll say well like you signed up you swore the oath as service to the community 
we swore for emergency service, like to risk a lot to save a lot, that type of stuff. You don't hear me complaining about going to a real fire, right? You know, um, going to an extrication, like going to a, a, a serious accident, or you know, maybe it's not like somebody's hurt, but like they're stuck in the middle of the road and it's a very dangerous spot and it's bad weather. I that's fine. Yeah, I get that. Like, let's get you off the road. I get that. But it's these. It's just these calls are, that, that provide no like thought, like the, no problem solving. Like, there's no challenge to it whatsoever. That's that's one of the reasons I got into this job was the challenge. And it, there still are calls that are challenging. Yeah, but they're watered down by, and sometimes you don't even get to go to them as much because you're so busy on the other ones that aren't challenging. I think one of the downstream effects is we are, and I know that cancer has always been a big thing and now this PFAS stuff and, uh, which I think is such bullshit and uh, it's there obviously, but it's pretty low hanging fruit. If you guys really want to solve the problem, we need more sleep. You're putting wear and tear on your people. That's eventually going to cause them to die earlier. There's a study that if you slept just one night for four hours, which is a normal firefighter evening, your brain shuts off its ability to fight cancer cells. That there was uh, a study where they just took individuals and they just gave them four hours of sleep for one night. And what they saw was a 70% reduction in critical anti-cancer fighting immune cells called natural killer cells. These are wonderful immune assassins that target malignant cells. So today, both you and I have produced cancer cells in our body. What prevents those cancer cells from becoming the disease that we call cancer is in part these natural killer cells. And after one night of four hours of sleep, that is a remarkable state of immune deficiency. And that's one of the reasons why insufficient sleep predicts cancer. How are we not tying, how are we not attacking that angle? As much as we're attacking our gear. It's too complex of a problem. The gear thing is just easy, man. It's an easy soundbite. It's an easy thing to be like, oh, well, you know what? How about all the the chemicals and the clothes that they're issuing us or uh, the Teflon pans that we have inside the kitchen? Like this PFAS stuff, I'm with you. But like there are supplements you can take that basically help flush that shit out of your system. And so... I'm, I think it's just, I think it's horseshit. Uh, I'm, I'm there with you. Like if I'm going to bet on something, I'm going to bet on that sleep is the causal. Oh, dude. I think it's a, if it's not the cause, it is the one that we should factor. be it's, getting it's after. A, it's something that we should, well, sleep and obesity. How about They're like right in front of us? Well, let's but we take just want to like pretend they aren't there. Let's take this. You have cancer, heart disease, and suicide. Those are their killers of our firefighters. All right. Sleep is connected to all three of those. Yeah. Easy. Like yeah. that's full stop. We, we yeah. know that. But it's way easier to be like, all right, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to change your gear. We're going to change your gear. Yeah. Or like when they took all the BPA out of the plastics, they put in a chemical that's a forever chemical as well. It's not like they're going to find out of out of blue air they're going to, they're going to find this chemical that they could have been using forever that's going to do the same thing. They're just putting another one in. Well, I mean, 
going back to what you're saying is low-hanging fruit, they're not addressing sleep as aggressively as the others because that means it's call volume, right? Yeah, that you have to change something. And so then... 12-hour shifts? Well, that doesn't help either. Because you're still there at night. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're still that. messing up mm-hmm. your circadian rhythm. And so, you know, I think... So that, is it just one of those things that you've got to be okay with, that, that maybe you get... A lot of time off, but it's just that's the disadvantage. Like every job has that, right? But then that goes back to, hey, I didn't sign up for this. Mm. It's like, well, is that something if, that you just I have think, to deal with? I don't think that – I mean, I would say that that's something that I did sign up for is being up at night. Oh, I – It was very, it was very clear that you work 24-hour shifts and you make it up at night and – that is what it is, and you're going to come home tired. So I, th- I think I was aware of that. Yeah, but you will uh, – okay, so let's say this. Let's take the same – let's take the, the number of hours of sleep is four hours. But are you going to have good morale if you were up all those hours doing bullshit or you went to a good fire? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it's like we can fix a lot of these problems by getting rid of some of the bullshit. Yeah, that we need when you're challenged or motivated, right? You will sacrifice comfort more readily. You will risk a lot to save a lot. Mm-hmm. Austin, an Austin firefighter is recovering from a stab wound he received while putting out fires along the interstate early Monday. So this is down in Austin. They're on I-35, and there's a report of someone starting fires along the highway. So we got a guy who is basically has like got a torch. He's got a, yeah, like a drip torch. I, I assume it's like a, a jacket or something that's on fire, but um, he's trying to set all this vegetation on the side of the highway. And the, the truck is kind of traveling down the road very slow. I assume to make sure that he doesn't get hit, but like, what's your play here? Inch and three quarter, put out the fire. And whatever's attached to it. Right, but you're going to have to stop. You're going to have to get out. All right, so water can you know. with a halligan. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is like... Uh, I mean, I'm hoping PD's there because, I mean, it's is the guy got a weapon too? Like if you start approaching him, is he... You know, so that's like one thing that would be concerned to me. Yeah. Uh, so basically, one of the firefighters... Is that, is that grounds for like gunpoint and be like drop, drop it? It's a de- I mean, isn't fire a deadly weapon? I mean, I guess you could use less lethal force, you know. Yeah, that's a taser, I would yeah, assume. Yeah, just put it out. But firefighter gets out to talk to this dude and then gets stabbed. Well, there you go. See that? So that'd be. So um, it made me. He's doing fine. It sounds like he got like a two-inch deep cut, probably because he was wearing his bunker. I don't. I don't know the whole Fuck. story. This is a short thing, but it was like, dude, our job is so different now. Yeah, I mean, really, that's just a mental health issue. That is not yeah. uh, really a fire issue. Right. You know, dude's crazy. Or do you think we'll ever come, there will ever come a time where we carry less than lethal with us? Will we carry more lethal, you're saying? No. Will we carry anything that's like, will we carry tasers? Will we carry. Probably not. You don't think so? Mm-mm. They're giving us body armor. Well, we'd have to be trained for it. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, there it goes back to like service calls, right? Yeah. How many of us are trained? 
are, how many of us are trained for this? Oh, zero. Zero percent. Right? We're trained to put out the fire. We're not trained to deal with a psycho. Yeah, but I think we you, just we've just been on so many calls that you we've could learned. have you could have some people be like, "Hey, don't you have medicines that can sedate that person?" Nope. We do. Yeah. But you still have to get close enough to that person right. to assess them and get vital signs and all this other sorts of stuff. But I think to some people on like a city council, they'd be like, well, clearly you can handle that because you have Draperidol or how right. whatever, you know, yada, yada, yada. I think that at some point in the fire service, they're going to give us that stuff with the training that goes along with it. <laughs> That's my thought. That's my theory. It's- because I never would have pay, thought... Pay people a lot more. I never would have thought that we would be wearing full ballistic gear. Yeah. And now it's on every rig. I got, as a SWAT medic, we did, but we signed up for that special portion. We got special training and all that. But I see that coming with the downfall of the United States, which is we're currently coming. witnessing. <laughs> Prisoner scan at county jail finds scissors in a man's rear end. Dude. Okay. Talk about desperate. Desperate. Okay. Scissors. Scissors were found being smuggled Thomas into it. or like? No, I have a picture of it. Scissors, and they were cleaned, obviously, post-removal. I'll prove it. I, I mean, <laughs> other, they were either cleaned or this guy's got the cleanest anus in the world. The guy has no perineum anymore. Yeah. <laughs> He's basically gone. Uh, scissors were found being smuggled into Indiana, Indiana jail in the most unusual way. What was surprising is not what was being smuggled in, but how it was concealed. So basically this guy, anytime you go into, um, into jail, I don't know this from personal experience, but uh, they have to completely get you naked. You squat down and you cough and some poor soul has to look at your rectum to see if anything like comes out. Okay. So they found... (laughs) They found this thing, and I guess they did a scan to see, like, what it was, and it was this pair of scissors, and I, I sent you that picture if you want to throw it up. That's a, that's a legitimate, like, scrapbookers. Uh, it measures... That's like eight, nine, nine inches? inches. And they're wide. It's not like he broke them in... Like, you know how you can break those scissors in half and, like, make them a little more compact? So, my question is... I love how the rulers like to resist drugs and violence. It, Remember the and foreign program? objects up your ass. <laughs> yeah. So how do you do it? Do you handle first or do you do blade first? Hmm. I think, I mean, I think you go blade, right? Just you kind of. <laughs> to open her up? Yeah, just <laughs> gradually. Wall her tapered, out? Tapered. <laughs> what are you putting on the tip there? Because they didn't even blunt the tip. That's a long tip right That's there. That's a long tip, dude. Yeah. A little styrofoam? Oh, so you're like covering it? Yeah. Lots and lots of grease and lube. Grease? Jesus <laughs> Christ, dude. <laughs> is not I just don't I, want any, any, you know. It's not what I would have went no. with. Lube. Lots of lube. Uh, grease. <laughs> yeah. What do you think he's using those for? I think he's a scrapbooker. I think that, I think he's I a, think you're right. I think he's a scrapbooker. They took his love away when they And he's like, man, up. I got to cut out these magazines. All right. I'm going to give you some prison slang. And I'm going to see if you know what it is. Okay. What are, what are bats? All right. Is it, is it either maybe like a weapon or is it something that comes out at night? Cigarettes. Neither. No shit. Bats. Where's that come from? I don't know. (laughs) 
This doesn't tell me where it came from. It just came, tells me what it is. They got to have code words, right? This is all, this yeah. is all, all that stuff. What are Bobos? <laughs> They're fucking those nutrition bars. <laughs> They're prison. They're sneakers that are prison issued. Okay. Uh, what's a bean slot? Asshole. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's a food delivery slot in the jail door. Come on, man. Bean slot. Okay. Yeah. What's a cage? Like solitary confinement? A jail cell? Just, yeah, just your standard yeah. prison cell. Okay. Uh, what if I came up to you and asked to catch a ride? Catch a ride? Yeah. I don't know, man. That's trying to get high off of your drugs. Ah. Trying okay. to catch a ride. That was like piggyback to the cafeteria or what? Could be. Uh, what's doing the Dutch? I like how fun these are. This one's not well, fun. Dutch oven, right? You fart in your, <laughs> in your no, it's actually it's actually over you, your cellmate's head. Close, man. It's killing yourself in prison. <laughs> doing the Dutch. Doing the Dutch, man. All right. Oh, this could work at the firehouse. Let's bring this to the firehouse. What's a dump truck? I don't know. An overweight, lazy inmate. Oh shit! So. You can have that one. You're a dump truck. Yeah, bring that to the old firehouse. I mean, how do you define a lazy inmate? I mean, you're in jail. Hey, man, (laughs) you're not doing your part in here. (laughs) You're not eating your food, and you're not wiping your ass and going to the bathroom enough. I think they have jobs. I think they like have jobs. Yeah, but that doesn't that work off their time usually, right? So if you're lazy, you're just gonna be in there for your. You're like you're not gonna get a recommendation, right, to get out. I don't know, man. I don't know enough about it. What's a permanent pocket? Permanent pocket stab wound. No, well, kind of. It's a term for a person's anus. <laughs> it's your permanent pocket. That's I've I've heard it as hence the scissors. I've heard it as prison wallet. Hey, man, just put this in your pocket, right? Yeah, I need that in your permanent pocket. What's Pruno? Spell that for me. P-R-U-N-O. Pruno. Pruno. That's the toilet wine. Nasty. Yeah. Okay. How much would it cost for you to try some of that? Toilet wine? Yeah. Well, what exactly are we, like, just straight out of the toilet? Well, no, I think they put it in baggies, but they ferment it in the toilet. I would try it for nothing. Just for the experience. No, nothing? Experience? Like, things you try for the experience, like going on a roller coaster ride or, <laughs> you know, hot air balloon. I'll try this toilet water over here. Uh, I just want to, man, it's just the experience. What's a ratchet? I know what ratchet means when it's describing some people walking down the street. Uh, yeah, we... They're ratchet. It's, it's, they're bad. It's beat up. It's... Ugh. How would you... All right, so give me the... I'm going to look this up because I don't know if I know that... I know when I see it. When you see ratchet? Yeah, it's like in the Supreme Court in the 70s when they were like, how can you describe pornography? And they're like, you just know it when you see it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just know it when I see it, but how would you describe it? And I'll look it up with the technical... I'll, when I think ratchet, I think of like... <laughs> like... Ripped blouse, short skirt, pantyhose ripped, one, you know, high heel shoes, but one heel's missing. So they're like limping along, you know, like one leg's just <laughs> caving in, bruised and battered. And all right, so this you know, is from bruised, hair's just a 
fucking mess. I think you're close. So this is from... Oh, I know I'm close. This is from slang.net, so you know it's real. Okay. It's mo- most often used to refer to a ghetto diva who is a gross-looking and or behaving person. <laughs> so yeah, ghetto you're... Ghetto diva. That's... You're, you're you pretty, on, pretty on point, that. Um, all right, let's do one more. What is a sucker ducker? <laughs> this is what I would be in. I would be a sucker ducker in prison. Someone who always finds a way to get out of being molested by the other yes, cellmates. That's exactly sucker what it is. Ducker. I'd be a sucker ducker. Oh, man. That's uh, great. Yeah. All right. Belgian ambulance driver deployed to ferry a 391 kilo American to a French hospital. A lot to unpack there. Yeah. I know you're trying to do the math in your head of what that means in our, our land. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking, we're talking about well over 800 pounds. All right. So, uh, this Belgian ambulance was deployed to transfer an American woman weighing 390 kilos or, or 860, pounds, uh, from her home to a, fr- what's that? Is that wrong? Bad. It is bad. That's a lot. Uh, from her home to a French hospital. 40 firefighters, 10 police officers had to be deployed to a northern France home. The walls of the woman's house had to be demolished to get the woman out. Um, the we obese- were talking about how many... We had this girl in our area. She's still in... Not our area, but still in a certain district in our uh, city. And how many firefighters' backs she's taken out over the years. Oh, yeah. I've run on her. Mm-hmm. Mine was one of them. So this was... It took 60 people to get this lady out of her house. So what's the fattest person in the world, in the history of the world? 1,100 pounds. 1,400 pounds. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Do we have a picture of this? Yes. That is John Brower Minoch. He was born September 29th, 1941, died in 1983. He's the heaviest man in human history, weighing approximately... 1,400 pounds or 100 stone at his peak when he peaked out. At what point do you think you just give up and you're like, I'm going for the record, dude? You shift from like, I want to like get this under control and maybe well, like take care of myself again to be like, no, I'm, I'm going to go for a Guinness book. I have a pair of pants, a pair of pantaloons that if I can't fit in, I know something's gone awry. I know we're I know we're trending in a bad direction. Well, how big? What do you mean how big? How big are the pants? Yeah, like forty fours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a pair of pants and then I got a new pair of pants because I ain't going I ain't going back. All right. Um, I thought you kept like an old pair. It's like no, I, I will never get back to that. But uh, no, I have a pair of like these thirty four inch waist pants mm-hmm. that if I those start to get real snug. I know it's time to like clean it up a little bit. Okay. But what what happens to someone where they're like, fuck it, dude. Just I don't know. Give, I just give up. I don't know the whole mental psyche behind it, you know. Yeah. Addiction versus, you know, what is it? Uh that one movie quote, you know, I eat because I'm fat and I'm fat because <laughs> I eat. It's a vicious cycle. Fat bastard. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if it's a cycle, you know. <laughs> but like, you have to be I am surrounded. Not a you have to be surrounded. For this type of thing. You have to be surrounded by people who who allow you to do that, though. Who like because eventually you can't, or maybe with 
the ability to order food to your house, maybe it's easier for those folks. But you still have to like get up, go to the door. No. Sure. No, nah, man. You think you could? I got a coat on my door. You can bring it upstairs. Tip you extra. Ooh, get out of bed. Cold, man. You ever watch sure. those Thousand Pound Sisters? It's disgusting. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> it is. It's unbelievable, man. The level of filth. <laughs> you know? Uh, no, I can't watch it. Ah, oh, I love it, dude. That's it, man. All right.